Hello and welcome to the first 2019 Texas Overtime. We had a couple of scares there. They almost canceled us. That's not true. But we're back. Uh, we've got back with us. We've got sports editor by himself this semester, Ross Burkhart. What's going on, everybody? Now, we didn't get canceled, but it seems former sports editor Alex Brasenio did. He's working for some rinky-dink publications. Online blog size. In some small town, New York, Sports Illustrated. I don't know what that is. No, some some Uh, side side gig. So we don't miss him too much, but uh, and the reason for that is we've got Donovan Smoot with us right here. What's up, man? Donovan Smoot is a senior reporter with the Texan. His beat is women's basketball. And uh, he's not having to sit at the desk and do just uh, waiting around work right mm-hmm. now because he's on the pod. I know. You guys brought me on. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. And we're excited to have you. Uh, we're going to change things up a little bit. We're going to be doing a few new segments this semester. We're workshopping some things over the next few weeks. But first and foremost, it's the start of overtime. And as any NFL fan learned this past weekend, start of overtime means a coin flip. Uh, this segment is going to be dedicated to a, a question that can go 50-50 either way. Uh, so I've got a question for, the, for you guys. Uh, does New Orleans hate the referee that missed the p- pass interference call in the NFC Championship game more than Austin, Texas loves Matthew McConaughey? New Orleans, hands down. It, it, it has to be New really? Orleans. It ha- because, because it wasn't just one ref. It was two of them. It was two of them standing right there. And so the combined hate between the two refs has to outweigh the love for McConaughey. If they make that call, they give them the game because the Rams have one timeout. It's virtually first and goal, and there would have been 20 seconds, and they've got a three-point lead. That's it. So they definitely have a reason to be very, very, very mad at those referees. But I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the other side here. I'm going to say that Austin definitely loves Matthew McConaughey in any facet, showing up in a full-blown burnt orange suit, and he's got the right to sit right there on the bench. When he when he he tells Hepa to get up off the bench, I laugh so hard at that gif. I think it's definitely Matthew McConaughey. And anybody who has ever lived in Austin, has ever watched a Texas Longhorns football game and seen him down there on the sidelines, I think you got to know it's Matthew McConaughey. I've got to say that when I was I went to one football game this past season, like in person, went to the USC game. The biggest cheers I heard in order, Matthew McConaughey on the screen at any point. It did not matter winning, losing, otherwise. They put Matthew McConaughey on the screen. It was a scream. It was like very loud. It sounded like Arrowhead Stadium. Two was Bevo, who I argue is not the official live mascot of the University of Texas. It's Matthew McConaughey. And three was the opposite. It was just really loud boos whenever Greg Abbott was on the screen. So I'm just saying I think it's Matthew McConaughey. But uh, the he's the self-proclaimed minister of culture. And, like, nobody would even question it. He is a he, – and he's he's hairstylist to the stars. He kept wrecking Hager's, Hager's hair. I mean – Can you get more, like, <laughs> A-list celebrity than that? Like, he's all over the place, man. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. I'm here for it. I really am. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, right. I'm. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going with with New Orleans. I have. I have to. These dudes, they they created a petition to try to get the NFL to try to replay the game, <laughs> and 
about 600,000 people signed the petition to try to get the NFL to replay the game because of how bad that call was. There's going to be people 40, 50 years down the line who are going to tell their grandkids about the worst day of their life, and it's going to be about about the missed P.I. I, there's, I can't overlook. I, no, that's it for me. Well, uh, certainly, you know, New Orleans is probably pretty mad about that. One interesting fact is that Drew Brees isn't going to the Super Bowl, but Ross Burkhart is. That is true, ladies and gentlemen. Me and uh, Keshav, my uh, fellow offseason football beat writer and one of the associate sports editors, will somehow, by some means, be going to Atlanta for the Super Bowl to represent the Daily Texan for the first time ever and probably the last time ever. <laughs> but uh, before we get into you know his one foray into pro football gamers... We're going to go ahead and get, dive into the big headlines that some of them we've missed over the break. Some of them are happening this week. Uh, but first and foremost, we're going to return to New Orleans where at least uh, Texas fans were pretty happy. And that was the Sugar Bowl victory against Georgia. Uh, we don't want to talk too much about football. We already spent an entire semester doing that. But Ross, why don't you tell us a little bit about like what impact that Georgia win is going to have on this team going forward. I think, and Alex and I touched base on this a little bit about what a win or a loss would do for Texas going into the offseason uh, before the break, but I think even if Texas loses that game, I think people put them in the top 20 going into next year's rankings. I mean, because they were 21 to start the preseason for the second year in a row with really nothing to show for it from the two previous years. But because they win that game, I think you definitely should see Texas somewhere around the top 10. I probably wouldn't put them top five. That seems a little a little high. Um, but I think you'll probably see them somewhere seven, eight, nine there in the polls. And I think Texas fans should be happy with that. I mean, you've got a quarterback who he's got top 10 Heisman odds in the country when he was fighting for a job last August, which is, I mean, a complete turnaround but I don't think it's anything that that team was really surprised by I think I mean when he was on that stretch where he he hadn't thrown a pick in 10 games or whatever it was I don't I don't think it was any to anybody's surprise on that team I think they thought that he was going to develop like that all along and now Texas fans are seeing what Tom Herman believed in when he gave him that job so I think he's going to be at the forefront of Texas's success this offseason and going into next fall uh they got Keontae Ingram who I've said for months whenever he gets a uh, a full off season in the weight room with with uh, coach McKnight I think he's going to really bulk up and I think he's going to make an even bigger impact for them I mean obviously right now with the uh the news of uh of of uh some running backs transferring out of the program today I mean they might be a little thin for right now and we don't know how the incoming uh the incoming recruits are going to play into that backfield next year but I think overall um you're getting Colin Johnson back you've got the departure of of uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey, of course, but I think overall they've they've maintained a lot of core guys who are really going to give them a good chance to stick around the top ten for I mean the maybe the good portion of next season or I mean even start to develop into that CFP discussion if they start off really well. I mean you've got Kyler Murray, he's gone, he's on to to bigger and better things. You've got Will Greer, he's going to the NFL draft as well. So, I mean, I think the, the Big 12 is wide open, and it's for the taking for Texas. I think they're going to be right up there among the uh, the favorites to win the, the conference for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and Texas, it looks like it's on the up. 
a couple of uh, just significant notes. I'm just going to kind of blaze through a couple of these. Uh, recruiting, you kind of touched on this. It's it's look it's looking up. Uh, very specifically, according to 247 Sports, Texas recruiting a couple weeks ago was at was ranked at number nine. But after uh, after early enrollees and all and uh, early signing day, now it in the top five, which is certainly uh, a really good. Uh, sign that Tom Herman is, is making progress. A couple of notable additions. We've got Jordan Whittington, a five-star wide receiver out of Quero High School. Roshan Johnson, a quarterback uh, who can maybe help out a little bit in that quarterback room that seems to be thinning out just a little bit. Uh, a couple other just really good, significant signs that I think are going to help this team stay agile, stay stay good, and stay competitive in this Big 12. Uh Quick on the quarterbacks. I don't know if we how much you want to touch on this. Uh, Shane Bouchelle is in the transfer portal. Uh, some rumors are saying SMU go up to Dallas. Uh, Clark, who is our resident fact checker and uh, our audio help right here next to me, says that Ole Miss might be on the radar. Cameron Rising has already transferred to Utah. But Casey Thompson is back. Do you think there's anything concerned? I mean, you still got Sam Ellinger. Is there any concern in that quarterback room? I think overall, I mean, you've got to feel pretty good about Sam Ellinger coming back. I mean, he's going to be fully healthy once again. I mean, I, it, it seemed to me like he was fully healthy for the Sugar Bowl. So, I mean, you've got him, and he's obviously, he's hopefully going to be the starter for all of next season if you're Tom Herman and staff. But, I mean, the Shane Bouchelle transfer has surprised me a little bit um, just because you heard about Cam rising. You heard about Casey Thompson right before the bowl game a couple weeks before that, how they entered the transfer portal. And I was thinking by early January, I was going to say, if Bouchelle hasn't transferred by now, or at least put his name in the hat for a couple of teams, I was like, he probably won't. And there were already a, a bunch of different quarterbacks, you know, looking to move spots, move schools. So I kind of thought Shane Bouchelle was here to stay. I mean, and he, I mean, he's in the transfer portal. We're talking like he's out the door, but obviously he's exploring outside options. I think he'll probably stay somewhere in Texas, uh, I could see SMU, uh, a school like that. But I think he's, uh, I think he's probably on his way out. Um, so I think what you're probably really looking at here is, uh, is you're going to have Sam Ellinger obviously as the the top tier there, and then followed by somewhere Casey Thompson is in the mix. Uh, I mean, he's had his red shirt season now, so he will definitely be on the depth chart, the likely number two as will Roshan Johnson, the uh, the incomer from uh, the newcomer, I should say, from uh, from Port Neches Grove. Uh, he, you know, he had what was it, ten touchdowns in one game when he was in high school. I didn't know that until they signed him, and then I looked that up. I mean, because I was researching some of the guys, and I actually can't believe that one person in any like facet, like rushing, passing, all of it, can score ten times in one game. That blows my mind. But that's a side note. I mean, you're going to have him, and then um, beyond that, I mean, you've got the walk-on, Sam Sam uh, Saxton, Sam Sexton. I don't know what that is. We need our fact checker. But anyway, I think what you're going to see is uh, you're going to see Casey Thompson. You're going to see uh, Roshan Johnson. They're probably battling it out for that number two spot. But uh, um, I think for the most part, you'll probably see Roshan Johnson. Um, he's going to be probably placed on a red shirt um, because, I mean, you can play up to four games now with that new rule and still not forfeit your red shirt year. So, I mean, they can afford to keep 
um, Roshan Johnson like on the active roster, even if he's not playing. So I don't really think they're in that much of a that much jeopardy as far as I mean, some fans are talking about or confused about the whole situation because there's a lot of moving parts. It seems like right now. So even if um, Shane Bouchelle decides to you know take his talents elsewhere, I think the Texas quarterback room is, is sitting pretty pretty well right now. Uh, just a, just a note, Clark looked it up for us. It is Sam Sexton. Sam Sexton, it's the preferred walk-on coming in. Another preferred walk-on of note after we move out of football entirely for a little bit, and for that I mean several weeks. Uh, Jake Ellinger, Sam's brother and uh, All-State linebacker, is uh, is coming to Texas as a preferred walk-on. Uh, all I know is I would love to see one Ellinger on one side of the field and another Ellinger on the other. Uh, just because it would be really funny, and you know those guys are just whacked out competitors. Those guys are crazy. Good. I think Texas fans would love to see Ellingers on both sides of the ball. Do, do them both eleven, right? <laughs> both of them. That'd there be you go. So fun. Yeah, but uh, you can well, run a bunch of trick plays. But you don't know who's who. <laughs> I don't know in what facet you would want Jake Ellinger at quarterback in there for Sam, but who knows? We'll see if we'll see what the binder says come next fall. Absolutely, just put Sam out. Put the other Sam out. Or put Sam at. Middle linebacker and no, then we're fine. Okay, I've seen that guy run over some like pretty big linebackers. So yeah, he could be the next uh, the guy from Iowa State who was a middle linebacker converted. But uh, I am tired of talking about football. Uh, I think at Ross, even though he writes about football, at least on this podcast, is ready to move on a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to move right into Donovan's beat, and that is our women's basketball team here at the University of Texas. Uh, they're doing pretty well this season. They always are. We were saying before the podcast, before even looking at anything, Clark said to me, he's like, I don't know anything about women's basketball, but aren't they better than the men's? And I was like, yes, very much so. So much so to the tune of 15 wins on the season, 15-3 and three on the year. Uh, they're ranked number 12. They're playing the Kansas Jayhawks tonight. Uh, Donovan, why don't you tell us a little bit about how the women's uh, team is doing where do they stand in the big 12 standings um so so right now in the big 12 they're uh they're 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 near they're near the top i need to find their exact um i think that they're, they're either they're either two or three um in in conference play they've they've been they've been good in in conference play not overly dominant they had a uh they had a bad loss a couple of weeks ago um okay so clark looked it up we are um they are second you know in the big 12 um, but yeah, so they had a bad loss to uh, to Kansas State um, a couple couple weeks ago. They went in. Um, it was a real low scoring first half. They couldn't really find the rhythm offensively, and and even once the second half came, both teams started to find their offense. But they were in just they were in such a hole that you know they couldn't keep up. Um, they've had a lot of depth issues um, since since the start of the year. Um, the team looks looks very different than the one that was coming in, you know, on paper. They lost they lost their senior, uh, LaShawn Higgs, who was the top scorer. She was the go to, you know, she tore her ACL in a tournament um, at the beginning of the season in Florida, and so they they lost her. And so they've played they played basically the whole season without her. Um, they had a freshman Shay Route. She had a um, she had a uh, an incident in practice. She um, I guess she she overheated, she um she fainted and so she hasn't even been on the bench with the team, you know, since that since that happened. Um they had a backup guard. Her name was uh Chastity Patterson. 
she was a backup point guard, but she transferred from the program. She's now at Kentucky. And so they have they have three major, major guards that have that have not been there. So as a result, you have Suge Sutton, who's a junior, and Danny Williams, who is a senior. She's a graduate transfer, uh, actually, from, from Texas A&M, of all places. And so, but they're playing 38, 39 minutes out of the game. And so their depth at the guard position is really, really low. And so you can kind of see that on certain nights when you could just see them getting gassed um, towards the end, towards the end of, uh, of certain games. But where they've really picked up, um, you know, they've had their, their front court has really, has really picked up, you know, they have, um, you know, uh, Destiny Littleton, who plays guard and she also plays forward. She's kind of a calming presence when she comes off off the bench. Jada Underwood, uh, Jada Underwood's not really a scorer, but she comes in and she does all the dirty work. You know, from from any night, you could you could see her getting twelve rebounds. You could see her getting seven assists. She could play great defense, which doesn't really show up on the stat sheet. But they have a lot of people in the front court who are starting to make up. They're um, who are starting to make up for their depth issues in the backcourt. And so what does this team look like going forward? You, you're talking about all these depth issues. Is this going to be an issue going into February, conference championships, March, going into the tournament? Going, uh, I don't think it's going to be an issue, usually because once you, once you start getting to, to, conference, you know, to conference play and tournament play, the, the rotation was going to shrink anyways, right? And so if you were playing 10, 10, uh, 10 girls all, all year long, once you start getting into the, into the tournament and into you know, the Big 12 tournament, that, that was going to go down from about 10 to 8 anyways. And so now you could say it's a plus because you can find out what, what your core players were going to do anyways. And so I don't think, I don't think the depth would be as much of an issue. The issue that I see for them is when when Suge is not on her game because Suge, Suge is the point guard, she handles the ball. When when Danny, who's the sharpshooter of the team, and both of them playing 38, 39 minutes a night, when they're not on their game, where's the scoring going to come from? And they've had and they've had nights where their defense hasn't been able to pick up where their offense is is dropping the ball, and so. And so you just wonder, okay, if if we don't get it from these two, are we going to have enough everywhere else, even from the starters, to pick up where where the offense is lacking? I mean, I think it's a little bit of a testament to the way Karen Aston has been in the situation. For She's sure. been around for a lot of years that, I mean, we're still talking about them among the top teams in the nation, despite sure. them being banged up physically. I mean, and, you know, with different roster transactions, things like that. Um, one of my favorite things about her, I mean, is is it seems like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Donovan, but, I mean, in her interviews, like, she's not afraid to shy away from saying, like, at the beginning of the season, like, no, we like, we know this is not the same team oh, as last year. Like, we got a lot of work sure. to do. She's and, no I mean, nonsense. And when they, I mean, they drop a game in Manhattan, and, and it's like we, we kind of – need to like take a step back and reevaluate some things and we got a lot of work to do. For sure. Af- they they had a game on a uh, on a Sunday afternoon against against Mississippi State. And so Mississippi State they they went to the final four last year, played in the championship game against against Notre Dame. And so and they're coming into they came into Austin. And so it was a big moment, it was a big game for them to to see where where they were at that point in the season. 
they got ran off they got ran off the court and they they couldn't handle uh they couldn't handle Tierra Jackson inside their their perimeter defense was lacking there was a lot of stuff that you could see still needed work and after the game Karen Karen came out and she said you know I've never had a team that's had a problem playing hard and so she and so she questioned that that effort you know in front of in front of of the media and so for her part of her coaching style is is listen I don't I don't care if the off I don't care if the shot's not falling the only and because as as much as we can control our offense the one thing that we can always 100% have control of is our defense and our effort and so that's really what she hangs her hat on and so the team's effort has you can see they have um less lapses now and that's something that Karen has been talking about um consistently but and so and so going forward the effort is something that that you should actually look forward to from this Texas team, for sure. And and Karen Aston is going to consistently put out at least a good product. You know that team is always going to be pretty good under her leadership. Unfortunately for the other team that plays at the Irwin Center, not necessarily the case. Uh, the men's basketball team, led by uh, head coach Shaka Smart is doing more of the same that we've kind of come to expect from in the last couple of years. You get excited maybe early season, but then as it go- keeps going, where we stand now, 11-7. and seven. Uh, You know, the most excitement that came even from a win over the hated Oklahoma Sooners was the fact that Matthew McConaughey was at the end of the bench, kind of serving as, uh, as Steve Helwick put it in his cider this week, uh, an assistant coach almost. Um but that win, that 75-72 win, is kind of overshadowed by a, a, a season of disappointment. Three straight losses before that win uh, to Oklahoma State, to Texas Tech, to Kansas. They're playing TCU right now, and the score as we talk about it is something. I think uh, Clark will, I imagine, will get that for me. I think we should mention that our college football expert, men's basketball expert, <laughs> Steve Helwick is at uh, TCU right now for the uh, for the game, covering it for the Texan. So, unfortunately, we won't know a lot about that game right now, but I think that game is going to be a big testament to where the team is at. And I don't know how many times that the the media and Texas fans have to say that, say like, okay, this is this is going to be a big determining factor on how the season goes. Um, but I think this is definitely one of those because, I mean, you're at a pretty much a low point in the season. I mean, you're ten and seven before Oklahoma, which is not good and not going to get you anywhere in the Big Twelve. They were like I think eighth before that Oklahoma game, and somehow when they won it, they were like one game back from first, which is unreal in the Big Twelve. I guess the Big Twelve parity, I guess it carries over to every single sport, pretty much. But um. No, I mean, I, I think the OU win was big as far as just a confidence booster for the team. I mean, Oklahoma, they came in as a better team than them. They were ranked, I think, 18th or so. Um, and then now you see them win that game. That was a tough, grinded-out, gritty kind of finish. And then now they go on the road to TCU, who, I mean, I, I actually don't know who's favored in the game, but I think it's going to be a game where um, you're going to see either 
Shaka's team start to, you know, play up B with a little more pep in their step, like they have at some points, like coming off of a North Carolina win or things like that. I and mean, then other times you see them and it's like they can't make a shot and then confidence is low and then they just, they're out of the ball game. Like they get run out of the gym. And uh, it, it's just been a lot of up and down, unfortunately, for, for Texas fans this season. Just like, I mean, they've seen for a lot of Shaka Smart's tenure. And uh, I mean, the, the telling factor, we won't really know. I mean, until we get down the stretch and, and these games like really, really start factoring into whether or not this team's even going to make the tournament. Uh, and I think Shaka Smart, um, uh, I mean, he's got to put together more than just one win at a time. I think they need to win two, three, four games in a row in conference play to really get something going and to start building more traction going into uh, when they start filling out some of those uh, those bids for the for the March Madness tournament. Is that a question that you think is actually on the table, whether or not they make the tournament? I mean, I, I think right now, I think I've seen them somewhere around first four, or first four, first, first four, first four, four out, four, last okay. last four out. I, I've seen that a little bit. And um, as far as where they go, I mean, we've got a lot of time left. And uh, I mean, the Big Twelve championship that's gonna that's gonna play a factor into it as well. But um, I think until we see a little more consistency, I don't think you can bet on this team, you know, making the tournament just yet. Which is unfortunate for for Texas fans who really have have had some good moments this year with North Carolina, another good one against OU. That's an exciting game for, for fans and students there at the Irwin Center. But, I mean, until we, we get a little bit further down the stretch, we won't know what kind of team this is because it's just been all over the place. Like, sometimes you you just – they flip the page and they turn into something that's like, okay, maybe we can, we can build off this. And then the next game, it's just like they look like a whole different team. Yeah, I've – for for me personally, I have no faith in this team. Really, I, I I don't I don't I don't think that here at, at Texas, I don't think Shaka is doing um, a great job. Listen, he was he was qualified when he got the job. He did a great job at VCU. He, he hasn't been spectacular here. This this team this is a team that that with a top five or a top with, with a lottery pick last year in Mo Bamba was we still had these same questions about them at this at this point in the season and even once we got later into the season they had to bank on having a really good run in the Big 12 tournament just to get in and so this is a team that's not as talented it's a team that doesn't shoot the ball particularly well which is which is when you when you watch them play it's ridiculous because they shoot um, they shoot a majority of their shots from the three point from beyond the three point arc and they only hit it at a at a clip of 32%. They're not they're not good shooters. And so they're not they are not self-aware. They're not they're not talent. They're not that talented in the first place. And and the the defense that Shaka Smart hangs his hat on isn't really there. It's 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 not there. And so I don't have any expectations for this team especially because Texas has never been a basketball school. And so if if the Longhorns are good at basketball. It's like, oh, like look, we're good at basketball. Like it's it's not it's not something that we've come to expect. It's just like, you know, it's it's just something that that you say, oh, that's nice, and then you continue with your day. But I don't have as for this team and their future, I don't have any faith in them making the tournament. For sure, uh, and like Ross said, tournament resume. Not that strong, and it seems like Shaka Smart might be having to update his resume come the end of the season. At least that's what 
Donovan seems to think. But uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up. Uh, one last bit of notable news before we end things. We'll call this we'll call this the JT minute. That this is this is this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. I love two things in this world. I love several other things, but two things in particular. I love the game of baseball, and I love to hate e-scooters in the city of Austin. Uh, and it just so happened that uh, this past week, those two things collided in a tragic way. Uh, David Hamilton, a critical player of David uh, Pierce's uh, baseball team here at Texas, decided... I think JT just teared up a little bit. Decided he wanted to ride a, a, an e-scooter. And uh, one thing led to another, and the, the man tore his Achilles. I just want to say that uh, America's pastime doesn't like e-scooters, you know, so maybe uh, Americans reconsider riding them. I hate them. You should, too. But uh, one thing I do love is sitting in this room with these guys, and that's we've got Ross Burkhart right here. We've got Donovan Smoot. Thank you guys for being on this first one for 2019. Uh, they're about to get to a meeting, but just before they do that, remember, follow everything Texan Sports at Texan Sports on Twitter. Uh, follow the newly rebranded Texan Audio Department uh, at Texan Audio. You can still find your favorite podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, wherever the heck you get them. Just make sure you're listening to them while you're walking safely on a sidewalk and not zooming by on a bird scooter. Uh, you guys have a great week, and we'll see you next time.